So, this lecture, um, what I was saying earlier is that having looked at the church of the living God as into God's concept of the definition of the church, the key things Christians need to know, and the composition of sheep, so as to equip ministers and prepare you, I want to talk about your duty now. That is your calling. Because knowing the church of the living God puts you in a position to understand your, you know, the jurisdiction God has allocated to you. That is the people God sent you to manage. And the purpose of this, this, this topic is your calling as a shepherd. The purpose of this lecture is to remind ourselves of our calling with a view of encouraging, correcting, and empowering ourselves for the task given to us by our Lord, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, especially in this end time, because the time is short. To begin this lecture for ministers, I wanted to memorize this scripture. 2 Corinthians 5, 16-10. It says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one of us may, give, may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Now, from our concept of reading the scripture, I will go again on this. First Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 6, and 10. You will discover here, as I taught you, if you can understand the conclusion of a matter, you can understand the, you know, the mind of the writer. Really, let me say one of the principles that I learned about reading journals and reading you know, big voluminous journals to be able to understand and write about it is first thing you look at the abstract, which will tell you a little summary of what you are going into. Then you look at the introduction and study those ones very well. If you study the introduction of any thesis or any writing very, very well, you have understood the mind of the author. And then you go to the conclusion. So when you read the conclusion, abstract, intro, and conclusion, you can scale through the whole writings because you will know what the argument is all about and then you can now look at the whole argument and, and with a, 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 a thought we can help you to critique it and bring out some new innovations, areas that the writing did not cover. Same thing here. The last word said here, whether good or bad, That is the conclusion. But the beginning of it says, we must all appear, which is another thing. Understand that the statement, we must all appear, does not leave you and I a privilege of choice. It is compulsory. Either you believe it or you don't believe it, you will appear before God. Whether you are the general overseer, the pope, or archbishop, or members of the church, it doesn't matter. On that day, your title is stripped off you. You'll be an ordinary person before God. But the second thing, very important here, where we are appearing, judgment seat, where Jesus will sit, not as a savior, 
not as the uh, merciful, but as the judge. I think I can talk very much about this because I'm doing a critical studies about the role of judges and the reasoning of judges, the five dimensions by which judges reason. And they can't go beyond that. One of the things about a good judge, a true judge, let me say, is that he approaches your matter without bias. And then he seeks for evidence. And sometimes when the evidence is given by laymen, he decides expert evidence from people who are expert in that field, who cannot, they will give the expert understanding about those things. And then he will try to get evidences of eyewitnesses and all the rest of it. By the end of the discussion, you know where you belong. So the judgment I will pronounce, your heart has pronounced already. So is the judgment seat of Christ. Because your expert witnesses are angels who recorded your life. The Holy Spirit is there who monitors your life from, from beginning to the end. And then it says, why are we going to be at this judgment seat of Christ? It's not a condemnation to hell, but a reward for your work. And it says to each one that, that each one may receive what is due to him. So as a minister of God, God will judge you in your capacity. As a member of the church, God will judge you in capacity. As a deacon or deaconess or elder, God will judge you in that capacity. What you did or not will not apply, but what is recorded according to your conscience. I would gather now. So therefore. But the final thing here, which is very, very strange, is that some will do bad and some will do good among God's people. No, it's different from the 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 judgment of God in Revelations when people go to hell. He's talking about the judgment seat, where Christians stand. Those who stand there, they have entered heaven already. Alright? Because this is the stand that you will be given reward. That's the reason why I told you again and again. When people say that, I believe God is telling me to leave this place. Be careful. Serious. Serious. I pray to, to those who listen to me. What does it profit a man? To jive all over the whole world for nothing. And when you stand before your maker, you begin to tell him, I went to this place, I went to this country, I went to this, and he says, I never sent you. And he'll show you a book. I sent to be in that church. This is what I, I, I ordained for you to do. You did nothing. You did nothing. Man ought not to work for God. Man ought to work with God. Those of us who God called to be pioneers, the same thing with us is that when God called us, we went to submit to some people. Go to this one, they said, no, 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 no. What God is calling you is beyond here. Please go. Went to the other one, said, please now, please take me. He said, no, 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 no. We are looking for someone to follow. But because he has no sense to follow someone, then he would now personally tell you that. I'm not telling you to follow. Because the people you are under have said to you, what God is sending you, we know it is not this. And then, 
you see their blessing. According to the book of Acts chapter 13. Then when you go into it, God will bless because he made provision for it. You will not call the people from the other place to come and help you. No, you go alone and God will sort it out. You know, people inaugurate churches. The Lord, the Lord Jesus told me not to inaugurate church. He said that we should just start. CFT just started by open vision. Start this Sunday and we started. We didn't print cards to people, come and help me inaugurate. No, 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 there's no such a thing. He says, I will be, that was the day Jesus said to me, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You know, we do some things on earth because some people did it. But the time has come for us to check whether it's done so in the Bible. CFT did not start by the will of man. Really the man who promised to fund us, who I rely upon so much, my very close brother. My father raised him. He became one of the best lawyers ever produced in black race. And he became the representation of British government for the whole of African affairs. If British government have any issue in Africa, he's the one that goes to deal with it. He graduated a year with LLM. Extremely brilliant. Trained by Oba Femi And then appointed to head the whole um, chambers of Oba Femi And he spoke to me and said, he's the one who interpreted the name Christ Tabernacle in law at that time. And then he told me that my brother, I'm, when I come back, anything that God tells you Whatever you need, just write it. I will foot the bill. He has money. He has chamber, he has houses in England, he has houses in the old place. But when he was a young boy, he passed through our house. My father trained him before I was born, really. He was in primary school then. And when he said that to me, and the Lord now gave me the vision, you know, I was expecting my brother. I settled in my heart, money will not be a problem in CFT. Rejoice so much because he can buy a building for, for us. He, can, he has done it for many people. He has foundations that help many poor people. He sent many children to university, who, primary school, secondary school, university, who don't have parents. He does that. He has the money in Stalin. So, the day he arrived in the airport, I had a dream. And I didn't know he had arrived. I saw a beast and attacked a harmless person. And the shape of the other one that I saw was like his finger. He's tall and huge, calm and quiet. But when he gets to court, you will run for your life. He is one of those judge, lawyers that will, that will make judge to rethink and judge will doubt himself. When he confronts a judge. And that beast was eating up. And I just ran to rescue the beast. At the person. And I said, why should this beast eat up this person? And I went looking for a rod. I saw the person running for help. And I saw the small beast running after. And I could not find a rod to kill the beast. And when I came back, that let me attack the beast, I woke up. Later did I understand what the Holy Spirit was revealing to me. Because if, 
the Lord had given me the knowledge of the person, and it was him. I will pray till morning. I prayed for an hour to rebuke the spirit of death that is after an innocent man. Who is this innocent man? 5 a.m. my telephone rang. He was dead. He was in London. At the hour that I was having the dream, he was just entering UK. Because he's asthmatic and they brought him for... He told them, please, take my inhaler. They said, the doctor said, you don't need inhaler. And he came. And the asthma attacked him. And he was dead. So, the man that I will rely upon, the Lord took him. So, that was the beginning of my journey. That was when the Lord told me, I build my church. You know, I wept, wept, wept. You know what you can do with God? When God takes your merry laughs away. <laughs> Hallelujah. And you know that this God, you can't even do anything to him. You can be angry with him sometime, and he won't talk to you when you're angry. <laughs> you know, something interesting with God is that God has a great sense of humor. Yeah. Then when he comes back to you after your anger, and you have said all my of stuff, that God, what's going on? <laughs> when you calm down and become yourself, he comes to you and, and pacify you. This is the world for you. That's why I said, man, he's gone to his rest. Look at his resting. So, and so, our reliance was taken away. Therefore, we knew how to rely totally on the Holy Spirit from scratch beginning of this church out in there. And that should be your reliance for, forever. And when I, teach you about, when I teach you about your money is in the mouth of your fish, don't expect anybody to fund anything you are doing. Always expect the Holy Spirit to raise the people you are. And I will show you how I did it here. And it worked. Because when we started church in England, they have all these issues that, you know, black people don't go to church, white people don't go to church, you know, you cannot even serve God here and so And we started the church and they said that ah, to really have a church of 100 people in England, you will suffer a lot. We started the church and God brought people like myself, qualification but bankrupt. We are qualified, but we are jobless. And at that time, even those of us who are English and British, they couldn't just integrate to the work. They're asking them for London experience. They don't have it. So we have to start all of us from scratch. A good number of us took job as morning cleaners, clean offices, with your degree. We took various jobs, minor jobs, driving cab. And I was a pastor. Pastor and a cleaner. Pastor, a pizza chef. Pastor, a cab driver. Yes. Because the church must go on. And we need to pay rents. And the people, whatever they give, is what we have. And we don't have more than what they give. So I have to work to add money to pay the rent. Who to go to? Nobody. Except Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I haven't tasted poverty. God allowed me to taste one. So that I can identify with the poor. I will get that. And from there... We could not teach faith and live faith. Teach an exemplary life, live. And the church began to grow. And I taught them, just what you have heard before, from ignobility to nobility. 
talked about holiness, righteousness, and lived that life of standard. Faith and lived that life of standard. They were all following me, seeing my life, not just what I teach. As the book of Acts chapter 1, it says, you know, uh, in the former book of Theophilus, I began to write on what Jesus began to do and then to teach. So my dust went ahead of my teaching. And everybody began to move up. But today, a number of in executive positions, we are very comforted now. We are blessed now. Professionals, now we can use our profession in the same country. I'm saying this to you because you need to know this. We are talking about, you know, every minister will give account of what he has done, whether in, you know, in this body, whether good or bad. Let me run you through. Jeremiah chapter 3 verse 1. No, James, sorry. James chapter 3 verse 1. James 1 and says, Not many of you should be presumed to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that those who teach will be judged with stricter measure. I'm saying this that for those who are not pastors yet, don't just want to be a pastor because it's the most dangerous job a man can do. You'll be judged by what you teach. God will not spare you. It's better for you to wait. If you are one, if you think that you are a minister, tell God to tell your leader. And God will put it in his heart and he will appoint and ordain you. Because those who teach will be joy with stricter measure. When I go to the pulpit, the first thing that it comes to my mind is that God help me not to condemn myself by my teaching. So when I teach, I listen. So that what God tells me to tell you to do, the first man that must do it is the mouth that spoke it. Is the mouth that spoke it. Number three. First Corinthians chapter three, verse ten to fifteen. It tells you about the judgment, the kind of judgment ministers we have. Chapter three, verse ten. It says, By the grace God has given to me, I lay a foundation. As an expert builder, as someone else is building on it, I'll teach you more on this on Thursday. But each one should be what? careful how he builds. This is applicable to you and the members, or applicable to you and your overseer. The next one says, 11, For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid. Check this out. This is why people who preach here or don't think about this, a strict warning by the Bible, you can't lay the foundation of this present church of God over Old Testament. You can't do that. This present church of God on earth is not the, old, it's not the church of Moses. It's the church of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And Paul warned people, you can only lay the foundation laid. Who is Christ? Pillar and foundation of truth. The next one says, if any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, you remember? Yes, Costly stone, wood, hay or straw. That is the classification of the works of saints when we get to heaven. The other time, the word gold, silver, stone and wood was applied to physical condition of saints in the church on earth. But this is talking about your work, how it will be classified in heaven. Then the next verse says, his work will be shown 
for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. Your work, you carry in your hand like this. You will know it's what it is. People will know what it is. It will be revealed with fire. If the pastor steals church money, that day it will be shown. Really, I don't know whether such pastor will enter heaven. Because the Bible says all thieves shall be banished. The Gariah. And those who don't pay tithes are thieves. And pastor who seek God's money to is a thief. I'm, I'm not sure that they have the entire heaven. Because Bible said they will be banished. So if we follow that strictly, then they cannot enter heaven. But here, listen. It says your work, whatever you do, it will be shown for by itself. Because the day will bring it to light, it will be revealed with what? Fire. All the fire you have been sending about demons, that fire will come to you that day. <laughs> Say the demon in the Afghanistan, fire, fire. That day, all the fire will come back. At, and it's you, it will come. Boom, from the altar. And pass through you. When the fire passed through you, the whole of your work, <coughs> fire will burn over it. And then it says, it will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. Come on now. That's at the judgment seat of Christ. The next one says, if what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. <laughs> Hallelujah, somebody. He will receive his reward. Now, but if it is burnt up, that is, he carries the work in his hand, and Jesus receives fire from the throne, and went, boom, and everything disappeared. My Lord, he will suffer loss. That will not be your portion. Yeah. I said that will not be our portion. Yeah. He himself will be saved. Okay? He will be allowed to go home, but he has nothing. He's like a homeless in heaven. No, there is no homeless. But only one, as one, escaping through the flames. That I don't understand. And I don't know whether there is somebody who understands that phrase on earth. Because a man going through the flame must be physically born. I don't know what God is saying. But he says, that person, all oh, what you came to do in the world, disappeared. That's the reason why those who say that I feel in my spirit, God is telling me, go to the God of the spirit and tell him, my predecessor saw open vision. I will not do it unless you open my eyes. That's how you can know the devil speaking to you or the God of Abraham. The God of Abraham will always reveal himself. He does not leave you with feelings. Because your feeling may be sincere and sincerely wrong. Some people felt like marrying a man and it was the devil they married. It looked like an angel. And after marriage they discovered that it's the devil. Some people married a woman. She looked so angelic and cherubim. <laughs> <laughs> And where did God discover that there is a tail somewhere? You open the white garments, it's filthy. So, talking about, I felt my Bible spirit, may God deliver those who feel so. Look at me. The work will be burnt. And anybody whose work burnt off, it will be like somebody escaping through fire. Therefore, shepherding God's people. Write this. Who is a shepherd? The major topic I'm covering is the, your calling as a shepherd. And the subtitle now is Who is the shepherd? All what I've taught you up today, up to this minute, is just introduction of things a shepherd should know. Preambles, I call them. So, under shepherding God's people, the first thing, who is a shepherd? Malachi 1. 
uh, 2. Malachi chapter 2. Malachi chapter 2 from verse 1 to 9. It says, and this admonition is for you, O priest. If you do not listen, and if you do not set your heart to honor my name. So, priests can decide not to listen to God. Many really have. Priests may decide to disgrace the name of God. Many are doing that daily on pulpits. All these money preachers. They know they are lying. They know they are disgracing God. They will continue to do it. Says the Lord Almighty. I will send a curse upon you. So that's the reward of the, the, uh, uh, bringing the name of God to disrepute. I will send a curse upon you. And I will curse your blessing. Yes, I have already cursed them. Because you have not set your heart to honor me. Look at verse 3. Because of you, I will rebuke your descendants. The people who follow them. That's why no Christian should follow a liar. Because he will suffer when God shall curse the liar. I will spread on your faces the offer from your festival sacrifice and you will be carried off with it. Offer is when you take the intestine of um, a, a, a sheep or goat or cow and you remove all the poo. The poo is the offer. God said, I put poo on you. People just, somebody who has poo on him, everybody will run him from him because he's, he smells. So when God does that to a person who has been respected before as a man of God, the whole nation will hate him. Everybody will de 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 desert him. And it's not Satan, it's God. And then in verse 4 it says, And you will know that I have sent you this admonition so that my covenant with, the, with Levi may continue, says the Lord Almighty. My covenant was with him, a covenant of life and peace, and I gave them to him this call for reverence. And he revered me and stood in awe of my name. True instruction was in his mouth, and nothing false was found on his lips. Underline this. This is one of the scriptures that tells you that verse 6, what I've been teaching you is true. True instruction must be in the mouth of a, uh, a Levite. I'm going to teach you about the origin of Levites and, of, of course, uh, uh, settle the dichotomy caused by one man on, uh, on the social media who have been saying that, uh, you know, in trying to defend God, he began to assassinate the scriptures and saying that people shouldn't pay tithe and the Levites is of old. I will show you Levites in the old are the Levites in the new. The Bible says that verbatim, and I will show you in the week. Here, it says anybody who is a priest, the instruction, true instruction must be in his mouth. Nothing false must be found in his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness and turned many from sin. Who is doing that in these days? He's a minister of the gospel. This is the condition of ministerial ethics. True instruction in your mouth. Nothing false found in you, in your lips. Walking with, with, with God in peace and uprightness and turn many away from sin. Verse 7 now, shall we read that together? For the man. 
So who is a priest? A priest is the messenger of the Lord Almighty. Remember I said, look at the conclusion of a statement. I will be able to interpret the preambles, the introduction, and what leads to it. A priest is the messenger of Almighty. So, because a priest is the messenger of Almighty, an obligation is imposed upon that office. And that obligation is, the lips of a priest ought to preserve knowledge. To have knowledge you read. A priest must know Bible well, 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 well. A person who doesn't know Bible cannot be a priest. A priest must know the scriptures. A priest must have knowledge. Daniel chapter 1 verse 17, don't go there, write it down. What gave Daniel an edge in the land of Babylon is that he had knowledge of the history of Babylon more than Babylonians. He taught Babylonians their own history. He was a master of knowledge. Any knowledge he seeks, he will read it to the end. That is what a priest should be. Pick up every knowledge necessary for your work and study it. Equip yourself, update yourself all the time with knowledge. So that you are current every time in teaching the word of God. Preserve knowledge and from his mouth men ought to seek instruction. If a minister is so knowledgeable, people will want to hear from you. They want to come and seek counsel from you because they know you will mislead them. And he says, he walked with God in peace and uprightness. A minister must work with God in peace and uprightness because you are the messenger of the Most High. Messenger means somebody who goes to another person and you receive what the person is saying and you carry what he's saying to another person. That's what your job is. Now, you are messenger of who? The living God. So you go to God and hear from God and then you go to the people and you give it to the people. You go to God and hear from God on Sunday, you teach the people. In the week, you hear from God, you teach the people. Then you are ministering the word of God to the people. You hear from God, somebody is blind there. Somebody is blind here, says the Lord. Receive your healing, God says. Receive your healing, God says. And you'll be healed. A messenger of God receives message from the God of the message and deliver it to his church. Therefore, a messenger of God must walk with the God of the message, seek the God of the message, be truthful before the God of the message, and so that he can continue to hear from God. Anyone who can do that, you are not a minister. A minister can't be the same level with the members. Then they should pastor you. Yes. I'm not talking about theological knowledge. Theological knowledge has nothing to do with this. Your members may read theology to PhD. Theology doesn't call a man to ministry. Neither does it, does, it, does it bring the gift of God. It does not give you knowledge of the Bible. It gives you human academic knowledge, which if you now have the knowledge of the Spirit, theology will be useful for you. But if you say that you are a theologian, it has no, no, no room in the Bible. There is no theologian in the New Testament. The gift of theologian does not exist. That's why atheists, many atheists are theologians. Yeah. People don't believe in God. They go out of theology. I would get now. So you need to understand this. That as a messenger of the Most High, you must hear the message from the Most High and bring to God's people. Number two, keys to good shepherding. 
I've given you one in verse 6, which is retreated in verse 7. The second one I'll give you is Ephesians 4, 1 to 3. It says, as prisoners for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble, gentle, be patient, bearing with one another, in love. Make every effort to keep unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Keys to good shepherding. Number one is that you must consider yourself a prisoner. Which means you can't do what others are doing. You are a prisoner for the Lord. Other people may be doing something, you can't follow them to do it. Because you must be an example of God. Before God's people. That's why Apostle Williams doing over the years, I don't invite gangsters to my pulpit because if anybody comes to my pulpit and teach wrong doctrine, as he sits down, I will correct him. That's the fact. I don't flock with people that I know cannot hear God direct. Because egos don't flock with chicken. You're a prisoner. You can't just follow them. You can't say, oh, this is what they are teaching now. You follow. You, do. you can't do that. Number two, you must live a life that is worthy of your calling. As you saw in, the, in verse 7 of Malachi 2 and verse 6, you must not bring disrepute to the name of the Lord, disgrace God's name. You must not get involved in activities that will disgrace God. Do you understand me? You must not. Really, you know something came to my spirit now. If I am invited by anybody to any meeting, okay, if they get to a spot, where they begin to talk about money, I, will, I must walk away from that place in protest. From today until I die. Because in the past, I have sat there, even if I'm not the one ministering, and they have done those nonsense. I have challenged the individual, but I did not challenge the pulpit. If anybody comes, the moment I see a liar coming to lie, this lying spirit, I will just tell whoever invited me that now the spirit of God has departed from your pulpit, and Satan has entered and I'm leaving. Tell him that is what I've said. And I pack my Bible and walk through his face as a protest. From today until Jesus comes. Whoever that person may be. We must live a life worthy of our calling. When they say somebody is a reverend gentleman, he must be a reverend person. We must revere God to be reverence of God. We must be completely humble. And be very gentle. A rash man cannot be a, a shepherd. We must be patient with members. I told you, those who are clear among your people, you can't send them away. They burn. They don't do. They don't go better. They remain how they are. Just leave them. For adventure, they will change from clay to silver sometime. Bearing with one another in love. That is concluded in pastoring a family church. Care for the success of every member. Even the one who had blundered and he begged. As long as he repented, he remains. Still help him succeed. 
because it's going through process. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. God is telling you that peace is the weapon to love and unity. How are we together now? But peace is not compromise. It's not compromised with sin. Now, the ordination of priests. Exodus 21, 28, 1 and 2. Ordination of priests came by God's own choice through prophetic revelation to Moses. Aaron and his children did not desire or just think they would like to be priests. The office of a priest is different from the office of an elder or bishop. The word bishop means elder. And somebody who is a bishop may not be called. Know that. It's not spiritual office. It's administrative office. But among those who are the spiritual called, apostle, prophet, teacher, in a council, they may be appointed as the elder of the minister's council. Which is different from elders we ordain in church. When we ordain somebody as an elder or a bishop, that person has nothing to do with spiritual. His job is governmental. But at the same time, you may have apostles who are appointed as bishops because they are the elder of the council of ministers. And that is spiritual. The eldership is not spiritual because they appointed them elders as administrator of the council, but their office as prophet and apostle and bishop, that is a calling, that is spiritual. Anyone who is an elder, elder is not a spiritual office. It is administrative office, but of course of the spiritual church. We should get this clear. Because some people exalt elders above ministers, that is a wrong order. Very, very wrong order. All right. The office of priest is different from the office of elder bishops. Some may desire to be elders or bishops, but you cannot desire to be a pastor or an apostle or a prophet or a teacher. 1 Timothy 3.2 Some may desire to be bishops, but the Lord chooses priests. 1 Timothy 3.2 Let me see that. Now the overseer or bishop or elder, the word overseer means bishop or elder. So the word overseer is not a spiritual office. General overseer is not a spiritual office. It's just presiding bishop. Must be above reproach. The husband of but one wife. Separate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, and able to teach. This is the job description of an elder. Not given to drunkenness, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, nor a lover of money. Go ahead. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him with proper respect. Go ahead. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? So, it's, it's a management, that management group. When I look into corporate governance and the church during the Thursday or Friday, you will see all that. 
Now, because of our time, I want to go into other things quick. Therefore, the office of elder is an office appointed by men and called by men. Man will call you to bishopry, which is eldership, or general overseer, or overseer, which is all those statements means elder. The word general overseer means bishop. The word bishop means elder. Are we together now? So, but then for the fivefold ministry, pastor, apostle, prophet, teacher, and evangelist, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7. Let's look at that. But to each one, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Go to verse 11. It was he who gave some to be what? Apostles. Some to be what? Prophets. Some to be evangelists. Some to be pastors and teachers. The next verse talks about their job. To prepare God's people for the work of service or ministry. So that the body may be built up. So therefore, elder, the office of elder is appointed by man. The office of bishop is appointed by man. But the office of the priesthood or spiritual is appointed by God. Now, write this down. The ministry office, and that's the reason why God spoke to Moses to anoint Aaron and his children. That's the beginning of priesthood office. The ministry office is God's appointed, while the office of bishop and elder and overseer is man's appointed. And in choosing elders, elders are first mentioned, well, elders are first mentioned in the Bible in Exodus 18, 19 and to 27. That's the first place it's mentioned with Moses. Then the book of Numbers 11, 16 and 26 to 26. And the book of Acts 14, 24. And of course we read it from 1 Timothy 3, the qualities of elders and stuff. And then the ministry office I read to you from the book of Ephesians chapter 7, chapter 4, verse 7 and verse 11. Now, what is the origin of Levites? Exodus 32, 25 to 29. Let's look at that very quickly. I'm introducing the office of Levite because the Levite and the ministers of God today, I want to show you the same, they are the same thing. The picture of the governmental structure of the Old Testament is the picture of the governmental structure of the New Testament, except the fact that in the New Testament, the authorities do not have access to God, have an access to God which members don't. In the Old Testament, God don't talk to members. He talks to the leader. In the New Testament, he talks to everybody. Of course, he instructs the leadership on visions and how to do things. But people can talk to God direct. And God will not tell the members the vision of the church and how to do it. He will tell the leader. But God will talk to members their own role in the vision. 
their own life and destiny. Are you together now? So, so Moses thought that the people were running wild. <laughs> no. Okay, let me go on. And Aaron had left them, let them get out of control. And so began and become a laughingstock to the enemies. This is when Moses went to the mountain to take the commandment. By the time he came, Aaron had made a God for them. We'll talk about that when I talk about how the mighty fought him. Aaron had made a God for them, and the people are now bound down to God, and Aaron was presiding as the priest. <laughs> he was appointed to be priest of God, but he's now priest of Satan. It's happening in Pentecostal church today. Many people have been adopted to be priest of Satan, entirely by association, by default. Are we together now? So, people are going mad, because when Satan enters, madness follows. So he stood at the entrance of the camp and said, Whoever is on the Lord's side, come to me. Watch this. And all the Israelites railed, uh, rallied to him. All the Levites, sorry, rallied to him. While others were messing about in the bunkery and all this ravine. So it's, yes. Then he said to them, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, say. Each man slap a word, a sword, to his body, his side. Go back and forth through the camp, from one end to the other, each killing his brother and friend and neighbor. The next verse. The Levites did as Moses commanded, and that day about 3,000 of, uh, of the people died by the sword of Levites. The next. Then Moses said, You, Levites, have been set apart to the Lord today. For you were against your own sons and brothers, and he has blessed you this day. The next verse. The next day, Moses said to the people, You have committed a great sin, but now I will go up to the Lord. Perhaps I can make atonement for you. Now, if you look at this, is the origin of Levites. We'll go more details into the origin, you know, about the Levites. And the final thing on this lecture is the ministry. I mean, anyone who is called to the fi- to the fivefold office or to call to service in the church, either deacon, diaconate, and stuff, should be ordained. Even missionaries. There is no such a thing as a missionary in the Bible. Because all Christians are missionaries. They will get it now. So someone cannot say, I'm a missionary. Everybody is a missionary. But not everybody is a pastor. Not everybody is a teacher. Not everybody is a, is a prophet. Not everybody is an apostle. Not everybody is an evangelist. And if you look at the book of Acts chapter 13, verse 1 to 13, it talks about, you know, when they were gathered together, the first outreach. They were gathered together, and the Holy Spirit said, separate from me, Paul and Barnabas. Bible says, while they were worshipping and fasting, the Holy Spirit spoke. Then after the Holy Spirit spoke, they brought them to the church. After they have fasted, they lay hands on them and ordained them and send them forth. Rather, they, they, they send them forth. Now, if you look at elders, in the book of Acts chapter 11, verse 23, it talks about elders as well. When he arrived and saw the evidence of grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. And the next verse, 
He, he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and, the, and a great number of people were brought. No, I will, I will need to read that from about um, from first chapter. But what you will recognize is that in the scripture, the Bible says that they went and they appointed elders in various churches. And when they appointed elders, they always lay hands on them and consecrate them. Uh, then the pastors as well, Second Timothy 1, 6, when Paul said, remember the gifts you receive when I lay hands on you, and the presbytery uh, lay hands on you. And then, and if you look at Luke chapter 6, verse 12 to verse 16, it says Jesus prayed all night, and then he went down and selected the 12 disciples. And then he, he appointed them to be apostles. So you understand that ordination is necessary for commissioning. And that's the reason why in our churches we do ordain people to separate them for a particular service. We're going to stop here this time. I will rise up together, please. Now, 